0: to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Louis Bouget shares her path from an investment banking analyst at a bulge bracket bank to getting her JD MBA. Learn the common blind spot she had when choosing what bank to join out of undergrad, as well as why she chose Goldman to continue her banking career after her graduate degree. Also learn how she managed to pivot to private equity and a shocking comment made by a partner during final round interviews. Enjoy. All right, Louis Bouget, thanks for joining the Wall Street Aces podcast.
1: Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. I am a huge fan of the podcast world, and so it's uh, really exciting to be a part of one.
0: Cool. Um, so it'd be awesome if you could give the listeners a short summary of your background.
1: Yeah, um, so I, after I graduated from college, I started as an analyst at a bank, Um, both bracket firm, worked for two years, and then went back to grad school and did a JD MBA program um, after grad school, transitioned back to banking, um, but at a different firm at Goldman, and then um, transitioned into private equity shortly after my two years as an associate.
0: Awesome. So that's pretty rare. So you went banking two years. So undergrad, banking two years, JD, MBA, then banking again as an associate at Goldman, and then you went PE. So I think everyone that's listened to the podcast, anyone that's been on WSO knows that it's extremely difficult difficult to transition to private equity unless you have pre-MBA private equity experience. So what was the thought process? Were you always set like gung-ho on private equity when you went to get your MBA, or was it something that you kind of later discovered you wanted?
1: Um, I wasn't. I think I took a very scholastic approach to my career. So in transitioning from my analyst years into the JD MBA program, um, I was looking for a a program that offered, from the legal perspective, sort of um, like a space and teaching to me of like the basic understandings of law. So in the future, if I were to do transactions, then I'd be able to holistically understand both the legal and the business considerations. Um, But at the same time, there's also this very scholastic side of me that's like, okay, I get to go to one of the greatest law schools. And then essentially what law school is, is you're learning about history through a legal lens. And I thought that'd be really fun. So went back for three years and then the transition back into banking Afterwards, I didn't really consider um, PE at that point. I went to a school that wasn't really strong with PE re- recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, more so on the mutual fund side. And after a couple, Rounds of interviews there, I realized that's not something that I was that interested in. And when the Goldman opportunity came along, it was also very different from my analyst experience. Um, one, the bank had M&A embedded into the industry groups. Um, the bank was strong in all of the products across the board. So. Um, previously I was at a bank that was only more so uh, stronger on the lending side, but now so let's, I was let's start.
0: Yeah. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to your undergrad days. So thanks for that little spiel in terms of, so you, private equity wasn't on the horizon. It wasn't something where you were like, I eventually want to go do that. It kind of eventually came.
1: So um, I was definitely open to it, but I definitely wasn't the type of person that's like, okay, bank, banking is a means and an end and I would transition out in a couple of it. years.
0: Okay. Fair. So let's go back to undergrad days. Cause I think the list just to go sequentially. It'll help the listeners follow along. Let's let's talk about um, when did you think, "Hey, I, I want to go finance," or was this something like by freshman year you knew I'm going to start recruiting right away for investment banking, or was this something where you kind of came into it late?
1: um to be honest back when i went to school it was a lot less intense so you didn't have to make that commitment that er early on so i was able to explore marketing accounting finance and i definitely liked finance the most i thought it was the most challenging challenging field Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what my personality caters to i like that it's fast paced i like both the interpersonal and the technical aspect of the job and how at least from the banking perspective, it it sort of yields and um, looks for a person that's well rounded. And that's how I thought of myself at the time.
0: Was it recruiting tough out of your school? I mean, you went to a pretty good school that has pretty good, um, you know, connections into Wall Street. So did you feel like it was competitive? Did you feel like you like were your grades really high? So it wasn't that hard to get interviews? Or what was your experience like?
1: Um, I think it was competitive within the school, but because the school is very well reputed and has connections to the bank, it was a very seamless pro- process. I think the banks come on to campus for maybe two to three weeks and you meet everyone across the banks, do your interviews, and then you're pretty much done there from, from then on.
0: And was it any kind of, anything in terms of like, I guess, unexpected during those interview processes that like you wish you had prepped more for?
1: Um, to be honest, it it was a long time ago, um, but not anything striking to my memory.
0: Okay. And then when you actually like started the process, were you just doing, it sounds like it was all on campus, right? Kind of set up for you. How How many, do you remember how many kind of resume drops you, you did and how many interviews you got?
1: I probably, I probably applied to them all across the board. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so like probably got, yeah,
1: exactly. Something maybe in the teens and then, probably got interviews all across the board then then I filtered um from like you know then there's like the first rounds and then the second rounds and so it just sort of narrowed down um I think I ended up with three offers and then chose the chose the one that I that's really
0: impressive that's really impressive. I think that's a lot of people come out and, you know, getting one offer is, is kind of a dream. So getting three is awesome. <laughs> so you went, so you went from about 15 resume drops. Correct me if I'm wrong. First round. Did you, so you did, you got first round interviews at almost all of them.
1: Yep. I think my, I think at that time it was GPA based only and my GPA was high enough to where I got first rounds everywhere.
0: Got it. And so did you end up doing first rounds everywhere?
1: Um, I, I don't entirely remember, if or, not everywhere, probably most like of the places.
0: Of like 10 yeah, of them? Yeah, exactly. Something? Okay. And so then you did first rounds at around, let's say 10 places. You got second rounds or final rounds at four, five places? Uh,
1: I think so. Yep. Okay.
0: I think so. And then three offers. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's really impressive. And so then when you were going through this process, were you, did you find that you had to know a lot of technical questions or did you feel like where you set yourself apart was like behavioral? How did you feel like you, why do you feel like you got so many offers besides the high GPA and coming from a good school?
1: Um, I think at that point, the the technicals are very rote. It's very much like if you read the Mergers and Inquisitions book, that was more than enough. Yeah. Um, and then the behaviors at that point. Were also pretty simple because at that point you haven't had that much work experience, so there's only so much that you you can say. But um, I think just coming from a good school and having the GPA really helped.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So you're basically going through this. You get the three offers. What makes you decide on the bank that you that you did? So um, I, you, you don't have to say what it is, who, what bank it is, but it's a, it was a bulk bracket large bank. Um, was it because the other ones were smaller? Was it something about the 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 firm itself?
1: Uh, yeah, it was definitely the other ones were smaller, a little uh, less well re- reputed. Um, I definitely had a lesser of an understanding of the differences between the banks than I do now. Mm-hmm. So it was just thinking at a bulge bracket, you could get a wide variety of experience.
0: And so, when you started those um, analyst years, what was the biggest surprise when you first started? Huh?
1: Because um, you did
0: you did an, an you did a summer analyst stint there, I assume. Yeah. And so that process was there anything when you went through that internship process was it more like the honeymoon phase where they're they're like you know not working you too hard or were you working like 80 plus hour weeks what was it like that
1: um it was probably somewhere in between it wasn't something super terrible I don't think my analyst years were that bad um as well I think in retrospect one of the things is I didn't realize that um you like The bank that you went to, they're strongest at one thing and you'll end up doing that one thing. Um, So, you know, at 22, you don't take that into consideration. And so um, The second time I really evaluated across the banks and across the different platforms, what was different, what was was strong, what was weak about each one, and then deciding uh, to make the choice. Where do you feel like,
0: so you're you mean specifically like certain groups are really strong or certain products are really strong? yeah the groups.
1: products, the groups, everything because it's like the the whole job itself is very episodic. So it sort of depends on like where the like the peaks of the waves are. and you definitely want to be at the group that's strongest in a particular thing that particular bank does because that's where you'll see the like the bulk of the deal flow.
0: would you say, given what you know now, would you have taken one of the smaller bank offers if it was a stronger group or would you have still gone bulge bracket? Yeah,
1: in retrospect, I would have taken another opportunity um, if hmm. I was going to end up in PE anyways. I think maybe one of the other opportunities may have helped me realize uh, my career path. um, Do you
0: mind sharing what that bank was so you didn't go? Uh,
1: I, I prefer not not to say anything.
0: <laughs> okay, so you're so you're basically you you had an offer at a smaller bank, but you felt like it was a product group or like, you know, maybe M&A or something like that, that was would have given you kind of a, a wider breadth versus going into a bulge bracket where you the training I assume was was very good. Um, but the day to day work was a little bit more um, narrow.
1: Yeah, based yeah, on this exactly. one area. Okay,
0: that's fair. And so, did you feel like um, so group strength matters? I, I agree 100. Um, percent And you know where you're specifically, fo- where the bank specifically focuses, and the number of deals they do matters. So, were you doing a lot of pitches during your two years, is, or did you feel like you got enough live deal experience? Um,
1: uh, I did a lot of pitches, and then in the the deal work that I did, it was a lot of more ca- capital markets activities than. F- um, M&A and mm-hmm. that's sort of what I mean because it's, if you do want to transition to PE it's crucial to have that M&A experience have yes. um, understanding of the process have understanding of like what are the key issues and that is sort of the experience that I wanted but didn't get in my first two years
0: so when did you realize that's what you wanted
1: um, probably a year in, and why,
0: um, like why, like, were you were just like, well, that's more interesting. Or what was about M&A that kind of attracted you versus what you were doing, or you just felt um, like you had done enough of the capital markets well, work?
1: Well, so like on paper, I think the jobs are very similar, but in actuality, if you think about the significance, it's very different. Um, through M&A, you get to understand the businesses more, you get to understand the operations more, whereas the capital markets activity, the like you don't really need to understand what a business does to be able to issue a bond.
0: Got it. Well, I mean, in cap markets, so tell me the type of stuff you were doing. Weren't you looking at like, I guess you're looking more at like the credit worthiness of them and stuff like that and just cash flows.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then when you're looking at the financial profile of the company, you're looking at the revenue, the EBITDA, you're not really thinking about, okay, what's contributing to it? Why is there a huge job? Are they actually onboarding clients correctly? Are they... Firing customers that are not good for the company. There's just a lot of like the business in- intuition that you don't get in a role that's purely fo- focused away from MA.
0: Whereas MA, you're saying they would do kind of more detailed revenue build ups or analysis of the actual operations.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Okay, so that's fair. So you you're Kind of going through your two years at the end of year one, you're thinking, you know, it'd be great if I could get some MA experience. Did you try to transition internally?
1: I didn't then. I'd also always wanted to go to grad school. I went to a very um, sort of fi- finance fo- focused undergrad. And so for me, going back, get, getting the JDM base, sort of stepping back, going into the humanities and sort sort of like learning something different and. Yeah in life, it's sort of like the last chance that I get to do something like that. So I treasure that experience. And then if you, um, with law law schools, a lot of students go straight through from undergrad. So having been two years out, I was already on the the older side. So I had to control for both time um, and experience. So I decided to go back to grad school first.
0: Was there, so you felt a little bit of a rush to get the JD because people go straight from undergrad?
1: Yeah, I think you're more disadvantaged with admissions um, Hmm. with 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 admissions the older you you get
0: i didn't realize that existed is that is that like a true thing like that's a known thing
1: yeah. Like age so discrimination. But, I mean, <laughs> well, it's not that right. It's like, they're trying to build a cohesive class and it's the same with all the analysts and the, the associate classes. They don't usually want someone who's too old for, for the role because then you're not being, you're not going to integrate as well. You're not going to have that sort of experience where you have both the network and the learning aspect. And so there's just a lot of consideration from there as well.
0: Got it. So like your window is closing for the JD. You always want What, what made you attracted to the JD um, MBA?
1: Um, I think is also so. First, um, when I was an a- an analyst, I did look at a couple of distressed companies, and I just thought a lot. the The experience was a lot more bespoke. The analysis was a lot more be- be- uh, a lot more bespoke and very interesting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, what the work that we had done brought in the legal teams and having to understand the credit docs and having to understand the protections, the covenants, um, and that appealed to me and then also as i said in the beginning like i've always wanted to go to law school i think it's a beautiful part of society and you get to learn about what transpired in history but through a very specific lens that i think is very interesting
0: that is interesting i mean have you did you ever consider going into restructuring because i worked in restructuring for a couple years at rothschild so it's funny you bring up the legal distressed side so i immediately
1: no, no, I definitely have. Um, I think with my associate recruiting process, the two firms that I got really far with was one, a restructuring firm, and then two, Gold, Goldman. And I ended up going um, with Gold, Goldman. But had I gone down the other route, I think my career would be very di- very different than now.
0: Do you feel like you may have been, you might have stayed um, in banking longer? Because you did, you went post MBA. you went... Goldman and you did that for a few years correct
1: yes for two years
0: so did you feel like um, the the search out in and we'll, we'll get to the private equity recruiting process coming from a post MBA with no pre MBA experience but did you feel like um, if you had gone restructuring you might have stayed there or do you feel like there was always that part of you or like that was drawing you to the buy side to be an investor
1: um, I I don't actually know. I didn't go into banking as an associate the second time to get into PE either. Um, And I think um, restructuring is probably a totally different experience than pure M&A or the other um, non-restructuring banking rules allow for. I, I can't say, but all, all I can say is just given how specific it is, um, the, way that I lear- the way that I learn, the things that I learn, and then the conclusions that I draw from that would be different and take me to a different place than where I am now.
0: Cool. Yeah, no, I'd say the engagements are much longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, so, okay, so you're coming out of school, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to, now, was there any a thought process of, hey, I'm going to go work in law?
1: Oh, um, so maybe in my first year, but I think as the curriculum went on, uh, I realized from a career perspective, that's definitely not something that I am interested in. Mm-hmm. And then um, my first year, my first summer, so the first year you can't recruit for anything on the business school side. So you have to recruit on the law law school side. And so I did a summer at a corporate law firm, which is also sort of... Um,
0: oh, that's cool. Tell me the difference. Corporate law versus bulge bracket investment banking (laughs) go
1: (laughs) like it's just night and day the work that you do is so different the skills that you use are different the environments of the jobs are not the same so for example even as a summer i got an office to myself and so anytime i had a question i'd like have to walk around to the other side of the floor, peek into the office of the associate that I work, worked with and ask what what, what I needed to ask for in banking you just kind of like scream across um, the desk and you're like, hey, I don't understand this, please explain It's a more formal environment. Um, it's definitely like you're stuck in the, the, the office you write your briefs um, it, it's like it's is very it more isolating slow-paced.
0: Would you say it's more isolating?
1: Oh, for sure. And all the work that you do is at a slower pace. And I wanted something that was very quick. I get to learn. Like I get to learn every single day. Um, I get to learn on an open floor where people scream things and just by osmosis, you learn.
0: Interesting. So you felt like it was a little bit too slow for you. You were, you were kind of a little more isolated, you know, kind of, I guess for people who don't enjoy that, get distracted easily, it actually might be attractive because they can kind of focus and do their work and It's not like frantic, frenetic pace all the time. Although I think corporate lawyers can work pretty long hours and um, the lifestyle can be pretty brutal from what I've
1: heard and what I've seen. But it's it's long, but it's not fast because there are times you're on a train the transaction and you have to get something out in an hour and it's nearly impossible, but you do it. And that sort of gives me a rush. And on the law side, you never have anything like like that. It's like, Oh, you have a lot of work. You have this amount of time to do it. You pace yourself. Like there just isn't that excitement from day to to today.
0: Fair. Okay. So you're, you're basically um, you you do that corporate law internship. You say, this is not for me. So you, you immediately go back to banking. Was there any other consideration in terms of like other careers, anything like that?
1: Um, I considered consulting for a little bit. Um, Went through all the interview prep, thought about it and then just I I, I think the sort of analysis that you do is not the hard concrete technical skills that I I like and so it ended up not going down that route but it was a very quick consideration. I may have entertained it for maybe a month and then decided it was not the route. (laughs)
0: Was it the brutal case interview prep that <laughs> dissuaded you from going into it?
1: It's a very different way of thinking, right? It's very theoretical. It's very spatial. It's very holistic. And I like that in finance, there is that, like, there's, like, the hard, like, like, the numbers are the, this, this is a conclusion that you you can draw. Whereas with with consulting, I think it's a lot more like it's a ne- nebulous, um, thought pro- process. And it, it appealed to me a lot you less.
0: Don't, you don't feel like there's an art to valuation in banking.
1: <laughs> there is right, but the art is built on the science.
0: True. Fair. Okay. So, um, so you're going through this whole process. You're, you're kind of coming to the conclusion, okay, banking is going to be, so you start recruiting and tell me a little bit about that process. So was it, I assume it was pretty easy. You had the pre MBA. I mean, were they kind of drilling you? Why, you know, why did you go get a JD? Were they kind of curious? I assume they also pushed a little bit on the interviews for that.
1: I think it's like they were 50% curious and 50% impressed. So it depended on what what levers I wanted to pull, where I wanted to steer the conversation more to. Um, So it wasn't difficult from that perspective. Um, I thought it was also easier in that because I had more of an understanding of what the landscape was at that point. The sort of the differentiation between all the different banks, it made it more of a seamless process. So the second time around, I didn't apply to every single bank. I did the boutiques and then I did the bulge brackets that uh, weren't focused on the lending arm. So it was Mm just more of a niche process that I went through. Um, And I think that made it more more purposeful and um, allowed me to know where I wanted to end up at the end
0: that makes sense so did you did you feel like you were able to come across more genuine in the interviews because you actually met, like you understood landscape better you said so what how did you learn about that just through like talking with peers and understanding kind of what banks were were good at different things or how would you say
1: well, that? I think because during my analyst years, the work didn't interest me that much, I spent a lot of the time trying to meet people in the different groups, sort of understand how the bank is structured as a whole, right? So not only the products and the um, the industries that that, um, my bank had but also what banking book is, what trading book is, what the the market risk team does and so that gives you like a basic understanding of how one bank works and then when you talk to people from other banks it sort of builds upon what you already know and because of that you're able to like draw a diagram in your head. Like, okay, this is what I like about this bank. This is what they do, what they do, and what they don't do well. Um, this is a team that actually does the mo- the models. And so, um, once you parse that out, I think it becomes an easy choice of where you want to end up the second time around.
0: And so, tell me, what about Goldman specifically attracted you? Um, besides the incredible name, obviously, and brand of Goldman, was was it said so the way the, the structure was set up specifically?
1: So there are a couple things. I love that the M&A was embedded in the industry group. So once the deal came in, the technical work didn't get outsourced to to another team. Um, Two, I like that they're generally strong across the board. So um, you get to work on a lot of products as um, an associate. And um, that that was also true in my experience. In my two years, I worked on restructuring. I worked on IPOs. I worked on fault. Follow ons, bond issuances, MA from buy side, sell side, and then from buy side, both from a strategic and sponsor per- perspective, and just being able to see the wide range of things out there. And then, thirdly, I was very um, impressed by their recruiting process how seamlessly it was done how they have a team and everyone has a job and how everyone executes it's very on point they don't miss any appointments they know as much about you as you know about them Mm -hmm. and that was an indication to me that okay like it's not just all brand name there's the substance that warrants the brand name and that's where that's somewhere where I want to work
0: got it so you you were impressed with how they presented themselves and that left a good impression but you also loved the fact that you were getting to touch a lot of different things. They were strong across a lot of different products. And more importantly, there wasn't the out, the technical piece wasn't outsourced to like an ad team. So great. So do you feel like your years there, was it, did it live up to kind of your expectations or was there any surprises, um, things you enjoyed more, things you enjoyed less about it? I mean, it was different because you were an associate, right? So it's a little bit more stressful because you're managing and still delivering work product, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's, I think you um, hit the nail on on its head. I think I had an incredible two years there. I worked a lot, um, didn't sleep at all, um, but definitely worth, all the time. Um, I got to work on products across the board. I got to um, understand. um, So I've always been in sort of the TMT world. And so I was able to drill down and understand um, the different spaces within TMT. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from a managerial standpoint, because I was an associate, um, this is the first time that I had to work with someone um, below me, so I think a lot of my first year was understanding how how to both manage up and down. Mm um yeah so that's but, hard
0: that's really yeah hard, right? <laughs> no
1: it, it's so like that caught me off, off guard because I was like as an analyst I did everything I was super respons- responsible and then having to learn it from the associate standpoint and sort of understand if they don't do this where are they coming from and why and how how do I fix it and um I ended up I, I thought it was super re Rewarding. I ended my two years and walked away with the analysts, like having great re- relationships with them. And that's something that I really enjoy.
0: That's impressive. I think a lot of associates, well, I think you had the advantage of having done banking before. I think where a lot of associates struggle are the ones that come in, maybe from consulting or corporate finance or corporate debt, corporate strategy, get the MBA, then go do banking. You kind of knew the ropes at least a little bit in terms of. Had the speed right yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so you're ready um so that that helped you kind of probably gain some respect in the analyst size um so okay so you're you're working really hard you're working long hours but you're enjoying it when did private equity kind of come into the picture was it a recruiter that reached out was it a mentor that said hey you know you should really look into this thing because i know it's it's again almost impossible to do the transition you did it's incredibly rare i know there's a ton of people at uh, i think at wharton 50 percent of the classes in the private equity and venture capital group and yeah. <laughs> only about you know 10 to 20 percent of them have actual private equity experience so you're competing against a pool of people who already have that experience so how are you how did you go about the recruiting and how did it even come about
1: um, so it sort of goes back to why I left my analyst role and then why I started my associate role um, and the fact that at Gold- Goldman, you get to see everything across the board. And so once you see everything across the board, you know what you like. And so the thing that I enjoyed most was MA. And i have worked on MA from the sell side perspective, mm-hmm. from the buy side perspective for both sponsors and strategics. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I understand, I like the buy side more. I like it particularly for the strategics that don't, that need more of the advisory capacity that a bank ha- has to offer them. And so my thought pro- process is if I like this the most, why don't I do it as a full-time role?
0: To so explain that. Like, what do you mean the advisory process? Like you like the part of the buy side MA where you were coming in as a bank and giving more like um, specific advice in terms of like what to, what, Targets to to go after.
1: Uh, you're th- like once they're in negotiations with the tar- target, you're thinking about the valuation. You're helping them with the due dil- diligence. Whereas if you're working for a sponsor, they already know what they want to do, right? They're just mm-hmm. using a bank to sort of find the tar- the targets, and then the capital. And so um, I just found that work the most stimulating. Um, and like I thought, I would love to. I was the most stimulated. I think it's very thoughtful. Um, And again, it goes so you get to understand the companies um, and the operations. There's always a why behind the numbers. And then um, only in this role can you dig into what the whys are. And so my thought was if you enjoyed this so much, then just do it as a full-time job.
0: Okay. So you, you know, you enjoy it so much to do it as a full-time job. There's a big leap there because it's still very hard to break in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell me
0: what people said to you. Tell me what kind of your first steps were.
1: Um, So I reached out to all of the the recruiters across the board. And when I say all, I really mean all. I reached out to all friends who have gone through the process, everyone they spoke to, large and small firms, firms with specific folks. Focuses and mm-hmm. um, I think that's probably the first part. Um, with recruiters, they're sort of a gatekeeper to what the jobs actually are, and sometimes I would argue it's harder to impress them than it is to impress an actual interview viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also done the sporadic, like you meet your friends um, and the colleagues through them and they put you in touch, but that's a harder step to take because usually people will have a conversation with, with you, but if there's no headcount um, on their team to bring anyone on, then like the conversation's educational, but it's sort of um, not helpful for your transition pro- process.
0: So like you were doing some networking and like for through friends, but you weren't like, aggressively hitting up LinkedIn and trying to talk to associates at at funds or were you doing that stuff too?
1: I did that as well. But um, again, I think the sort of ad hoc thing is like, it's like, Oh, a lot of them told me, look, you're impressive, we'd love to ha- have you uh, or at least um, give you an interview, but we've hired all the associates that we need, you know, like 18 m- months ago. So there, there's no more room for an additional associate on the team. So, I mean, it was helpful in that they'll tell me what their day-to-day is like, and I understand more about the role, which I can use for the interviews, but in terms of actually um, trying to like transition that or like convert that into to an offer, it wasn't that helpful.
0: So, what was the break?
1: Um, I just stayed in touch with the recruiters. Um, actually, I think some of them believed in my story. Um, and so it was for- fortunate that a couple of them did give me um, a couple of opportunities. Um, but I like, you know, it was a really hard pro- process. I did have one recruiter tell me, look, if you don't know what you want to do by the time you're 18, it's too late. And I was just like, like okay I mean I guess I didn't know and I guess it's late Um, and then even the interviews were very difficult Um, I think I bifurcate that into two stages Um, the first couple of interviews which is for me to get my head around what people like to hear um, sort of like get in the flow of what the behaviors are the behaviorals are um, and then understanding what they're looking for in the case studies and then once I got through the first I want to say three or four then I like I really began to hit my stride and understand what they want, what I should say, um, what helps me stand out, and then um, convert that into to an offer
0: I want to dig into that a little bit more, so it sounds like you had several it sounds like three or four um, processes that you, the recruiters did help you get into because mm-hmm. they were buying your story of I enjoy the MA process, I want to be on the buy side, blah, blah blah. So they actually gave you the shot. Now, were these for pre-MBA associate roles? How did you kind of market yourself?
1: So I said I was totally open to pre-MBA associate roles. I think if you're a post-MBA associate trying to make that transition, that's the only thing you can do. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So you're, you were open to a big pay cut.
1: Yep, exactly. And taking a couple of years back. um, I mean, I think when like you're trying to make that hard of transition, you just don't get to choose. Yeah.
0: You have to just be willing to, but I think the hard part is you saying, even saying you're willing to take the pay cut. I bet you a lot of the recruiters are like, yeah, right. Okay. Whatever. Like no, no, none of the buy side firms are going to want to look at you because you're just so non-traditional because like, they don't want to bring somebody in who's been managing people. And then all of a sudden you have to do all the models and all the due diligence work. And right. Yep. I guess that's the biggest hurdle to climb is convincing people that you really are open to it.
1: Yep, exactly. And then at the time, I actually really meant it. But then also having been in this role again in retrospect, I really appreciate that uh, I was able to start as a senior associate.
0: Okay, well that's good. Um, so you're so you're kind of going through this. You said the first few times it was really tough to know really what they wanted to hear. So you had like case interviews. Were they asking a lot about the deals you'd worked on? I assume and drilling down on those.
1: Um, I think that part is it that hard it's the cases because in banking you're not taught to think about things that deeply and you don't know what questions that can come up so you're you're preparing to the best you can with the knowledge set that you have but you're not anticipating the Q&A that will come at you and it will take you a couple of times to get that under your belt to like understand what you did wrong the first time um, and when you need to address the second time and sort of like build that whole holistic framework and I think that came to me after about the third or the fourth opportunity.
0: And was this like cases that they just had on like on site
1: yeah like, like you'll have to build a model on site and then there'll be an md who sits down with you and ask why you make that assumption or why you make that and, and did you consider that and did you consider this and i think it's like unless you've been in a buy side role in a sell site capacity you you probably think about that to like maybe 40 per- percent of a, what a buy side role needs so i was only able to offer that and had to like really step it up um, for the interviews
0: what do you think, like, it was it something along the lines of, like, considering returns? Like, can you be more specific about what, like, level? So, like, the first level, you, like, would, could do an LBO model, you get to an IRR and multiple uh, invested capital, you spit out the answer, and then what, and then they kind of are, are drilling down more specifically on, like, the strategic uh, fundamentals of an industry. What was the, the surprising part, I guess, in the first first yeah. year, do you remember? Um-
1: It definitely wasn't the numbers, right? Because like the numbers are very like road. And once you do a couple and you understand how an LBO is built, you have everything down pat. It was more so like thinking about, okay, the industry that the company is in, what are the pros? What are the cons? uh, What is the competitive advantage with the customers, with the suppliers? Like what is sort of like the strength of the company is this? stable? Um, Is it something that ramps up very quickly? Would you put an earn out if you were to um, buy this firm? And then um, I think previously I had thought about it as like, okay, this is what I liked about a company. um, And then this is what I didn't like. And this is what I dig more into. Whereas Once I've done a couple of them, I realized I had to bifurcate it into like the pros and cons of each of the categories I had to go through. And then I also had to consider things like, okay, what is the process like? Is this something that a lot of people would bid for? And then sort of having a very cursory understanding of the different profiles of the funds out there, who would be your competitors um, in trying to buy the asset as well to be able to give um, a case study that really stood out.
0: That's interesting. That's great. So, so I guess in terms of anything else before we call it, so you obviously made the transition successfully. You started kind of hitting your stride. Is there anything else, you know, looking back, you would have done differently? Like, do you regret doing the JD at all? Or are you like happy you went through that academic exercise, as you said, scholastic?
1: No, um, I think I've loved every part of my career career one thing I would say is I had a really hard time one of the most interesting experiences I had um is I interviewed for this firm and at the super day um one of the partners he saw that I had my uh, my engagement ring on and then he had asked me okay so when do you plan on having kids and I was just astounded I didn't know what to oh, say it was just like it was just yeah it was like you you're you're gonna get questions like that. And even if you don't, it's on people's minds. So this is something that you have to take into consideration. Um, And one of my, like, and I think after that interview, I ended up with the offer, um, decided to decline it. um, And the and I think at that point, I went through a lot of doubt of like, sh- should I pursue this at all? If this is on everyone's minds. I'm never going to get the the opportunity. Um, and then I talked to my mentor at work. Um, I talked to one of the recruiters who eventually became a mentor. And they were just saying, if you can get through all the case studies and get to the end where they give you an offer, then like you're pretty much set from a skill set perspective. It's just if you meet the right, uh, if the right opportunity comes along, And so if that's the case, and you should just keep on try- trying until so you hit the one that, that believes if, in you.
0: If that partner had not made that comment, which is incredibly inappropriate, would you have taken that offer?
1: Um, I mean, there was also a lot of considerations because it was across the country. Um, and it. then I was, and the pay cut was large and I would be starting as a a junior associate, but I think it was that comment that put it over the edge. Um, and it was not so much that he made it, but it's like he made it out loud. So it must be on everyone's minds. And so mm-hmm. if it is, will I be able to make the transition at other firms?
0: Yeah, and I think your the recruiter that ended up being your mentor is right. If you can get one offer, you can get others.
1: It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It,
0: that actually, especially now that the recruiter knows you got an offer, you can be sure that she, he, or she is going to put you in front of any other similar opportunities, right? So you yeah. you just proved yourself as a candidate. So I think um well kudos to you for for turning it down after all that yeah. work and then key, and you kept going. So how long after you turned that down did you end up with the offer that you ended?
1: um I must have turned it down around April and then um got an offer around the end of July. So it was a good three, three months. Yes,
0: yeah, so it wasn't immediate right after yeah. so well good for you.
1: It was a hard but, time.
0: so tell me a little bit about so anything else before we call it like you any recommendations you'd give um to other younger listeners out there that are either want to follow in your footsteps or advice you'd give to your younger self
1: um it, it would just be on that last point. I mean, there's a practical um, thought that you have to constantly evaluate your, yourself. Can you, are you competitive enough to make the transition? And so there's a constant, like, how do you rank your in class? Do people think of you as a technical associate? And so like, that's sort of the re- reality that sets in. But at the same time, you do have to have that drive. You do have to have that, like, I know the whole world is against me, but I'm just going to like go through the motions, take the interview, do a good job on it and see where it goes. And I've never been in um, a point in my life where I really needed to have that faith. And I think it was the first time. And so for a post MBA associate, if you're looking to make the transition, you really have to believe in yourself as corny as that sounds.
0: No, it's true. I mean, if you don't believe it, forget it. You're done. Go
1: yeah, for. exactly.
0: <laughs> you have to believe in yourself. You're No one else is going to fight for you. So yeah. Well, Louis Bouget or however you say your username, (laughs) thank you for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com and until next time.